CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Your homepage for horror is here. Fangoria.com is now live and brimming with the digital horror content you crave. Fangoria.com is your first destination for all the horror news of the day, featuring a constant curation of the Fango team's favorite links from across the internet. They are taking the time to aggregate the most important news in horror in one space to save you time and sanity. You'll also find long-form pieces, deep dives, and daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, as well as exclusive access to the Fangoria Vault. Right now, all current subscribers to the magazine are automatically members of Fangoria.com. And as promised, the content of the new issues will forever be print only. If you're not already a subscriber, check out the new Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Use promo code POSTMORTEM for 15% off right now. 15% off Fangoria and Fangoria.com. Promo code POSTMORTEM. I'm Mick Garris, and this is the Fun Size Postmortem AMA, where you can ask me anything. And uh, producer Joe is here to do just that. Joe, what have we got in store today? Well, first, I thought we'd start with some follow-up. Oh, yes. Uh, Michael asks, what movie did you wind up watching at this year's Halloween party? At the Malone's. At, at the Malone's. Bill and yes, Cece we talked last, yeah. last time about the tradition of watching uh, of the movies, and we saw on social media, you posted some photos from it, which is cool. Well, and this was a bigger gathering than usual. There's always hundred, literally hundreds of kids who come trick-or-treating to that neighborhood. Right. Um, and normally, there's maybe six or eight of us there. And we we huddle back in in Bill's uh, Bill's uh, home theater, which is quite uh, impressive. Yeah. This time there were more people there, and we spent more time handing out candy and messing around. And so Bill's daughter Robin uh, was showing Halloween to her boyfriend, who had never seen it. John Carpenter's John Carpenter's Halloween. Halloween. So it's almost embarrassing what a standard movie to be showing on Halloween night. <laughs> I, so, I don't think so. I mean, I, I try to watch Halloween on Halloween. So. Yeah, it's a good thing. But we, we dipped in and out. We didn't sit and, and watch the whole movie. Well, that sounds like it was a fun night regardless. Always. Um, I'm going to butcher this guy's screen name, but... Akasadoloko asks... He'll know uh, who he is. Yeah, he'll know. Uh, Did you have any problems getting through the airport with the giant werewolf head from the last festival you went to? (laughs) I was in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I was gifted a werewolf mask by a makeup effects company that that wanted to give me something. And it's beautiful, and it's great. Uh, And 
I did not have trouble getting it through uh, the TSA equivalent in Brazil, but they did open it up and were uh, quite amused by having a <laughs> uh, lycanthrope head in my bag. Yeah. So, <laughs> what did you say? Um, I didn't need to say anything. They saw what it was and, and they just started laughing. <laughs> well, that's so good. yeah, better laughing than putting me in handcuffs. Um, one big bit of news that has been, I don't know if it's official yet, but, but rumored and continues to hit all of the social media waves. Uh, Craig Cocker asks, what are your thoughts on Disney making a sequel to Hocus Pocus for For Disney Disney plus? Plus. Yeah. Um, you know, I read the same things as you do. Um, and, uh, I, I do hear occasionally from David Kirshner, the producer of Hocus Pocus and who is involved to a certain extent in the new one. I think it's great. Uh, you know, all of the the three uh, lead witches all want to reprise their roles, and I think that's fantastic. Yes. Uh, at this stage, anyway, I'm not involved in it. Uh, there is a writer at work on a screenplay now, uh, a woman, and I think she'll do a great job. Um, and uh, so I'm excited to see what comes of it. I, I you know, I don't feel possessive of it. it it feels like the fans are more so it's been so many years um but i would love to see what somebody is doing with it just like they're remaking the stand i'm excited right. about that yeah you know i think the people josh boone and the people he's got involved are doing something you know really special and it had four times the budget that my stand that's right, right. <laughs> so it'll be really fascinating to see what comes of it and uh i'm i'm eager to wait and see what comes of it. And then if I love it, I love it. And if I don't, I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's got to be pretty cool, though, that 20, 25 plus years later, uh, they're still talking about trying to do another movie. I mean, that's that's pretty remarkable, especially like with the initial success of that movie not hitting at the box office. Right. I mean, well, it was so smart to put it out in July, though, don't you think? Yeah, July, <laughs> July ha- Halloween movie. Yeah, that's funny. They did that with uh, Monster House too. That that uh, Zemeckis. Oh, the Zemeckis animation one. thing. Yeah, yeah, I always I always thought it was so strange. I don't uh, know, but you know, with Hocus Pocus is more popular than it's ever been. It's more iconic than it's ever been. Every year it goes up and up and up. So it's inevitable that they would do a reboot or a sequel or something. I'm glad it's a sequel. Yeah, I was just going to say, I prefer the idea of a sequel. I want to see the original Sanderson sisters. I'm not nearly as interested in seeing the new generation of Sandersons. I I completely, completely agree. (laughs) All right. Uh, Some new stuff. I Aunt Shanks asks... Have you ever thought about writing a book about your life and career? This is a little bit of a... <laughs> is this leading? <laughs> lead, a leading question. Uh, I never have, and uh, I'm not. However, uh, a journalist and author, uh, Abby Bernstein, whom I've known for many years, is actually writing a coffee table biography of me, and it will be out uh, sometime next year. And it's um, weird and embarrassing, but I can't help but be uh, a little, well, very complimented by it. I just don't know who's going to buy it since my mother's dead. Uh, so. <laughs> I don't think that that is true. Do you and you? But you've seen some uh, chapters, right? They sent some over yeah. to proof. Yeah, I uh, I get to read it beforehand, and I've seen the first five chapters, and it's pretty exhaustive. I hope not exhausting, <laughs> but exhaustive, and and you know it. 
it just reminds me of how much work I've done over the years, and it makes me tired. Well, I mean, that's also been kind of the, the crazy thing about AMAs is I feel like we have no shortage of material moving forward. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Richard Humphreys asks, with so many elements of the filmmaking process becoming digitized and many lamenting the days of analog, especially in effects, is there something you were happy that did go digital like editing or cameras everything you know i'm anything that makes the process better is an improvement i am not opposed to cgi you know i love practical effects but sometimes it's done better and more realistically at cgi bad cgi looks like video games right and i couldn't care less about that but editing digitally uh, looking at films that were shot digitally and projected digitally, they're never out of focus. They're never scratched. They never change color. Um, you know, I, I believe in improvements and evolution creatively and technically. So there really isn't much in the digital world that I am not supportive of. Um, you know, if you're talking about transformations or makeup effects and things like that, it's great to do all that stuff on the set where the cast is interacting with it mm -hmm. and not against a green screen or a tennis ball on a C stand. Um, so I love that. There are things that you can achieve that you can't achieve in an analog world. And I think the marriage is there to be made. And sometimes it's made perfectly and sometimes it is less perfect. And it just... Shitty stuff I don't like, whether it's analog <laughs> or digital, it doesn't matter. I, I also can't imagine people are pining for the nostalgic days of editing on a flatbed. No. <laughs> well, or the the first uh, editing machine I worked on on my first short film was a chem. It was an upright. It wasn't a flatbed. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's I mean. So it's a so, moviola, sorry. It's, yeah. it's, right. It's so easy now. Yeah. So I just, I can't even imagine. William Lowry asks, what are your thoughts on the recent trend where Hollywood is de-aging older actors or even resurrecting dead ones like CG Peter Cushing in Star Wars Rogue One? Well, I think the thing with Star Wars was that it was a tribute to Peter Cushing. Right. And that was lovely. Um, there is that uncanny valley thing going on where he's yeah. just not quite, not quite human, right. not yeah. quite there. And the de-aging process, I haven't yet seen The Irishman, which I'm eager to see. By the time this airs, I will have seen it shortly. Um, and I'm fascinated to see that process. You know, in the opposite, in the makeup effects world, I've seen such crappy aging effects that I would love to have been able to use or see the use of, of digital aging at work that might be more realistic. But I go for whatever's real. In the case of de-aging, I don't know yet. I haven't seen, this is the primary example, is the Irishman, and sure. I'm, I'm excited to see that. What else are you going to do? Cast another actor as a young Robert De Niro? Maybe right. that's what's been done in the past. So I don't, it, it ties in with the last question of, if technology makes something believable and better, then I'm all for it. I agree. Well, on that subject of Scorsese. Yes. <laughs> uh, Brett asks, Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola have come out and said definitively that they believe Marvel movies are not cinema. Where do you stand on this issue, Mick? Well, 
Scorsese kind of backtracked a little bit in in uh, New York little Times bit. a little bit, but so, but so he, did, by he, the way, so did Coppola, right? Uh, and look, they are cinema, but they're different. They I have long said that Marvel Marvel movies are more like theme rides, theme park rides, than they are cinema. But that's valid. Uh, you don't want all movies to be the same. The right. unfortunate thing is that an audience now wants a theme park attraction that they want you know, flashy CGI and superheroes and special effects and all of these things. And it, it does make it more difficult to get character-oriented stories on screens, whether it's in movie theaters or on television. Yeah. Television now is a better place to find good drama than the movie theater is because of that monopolization of Marvel and DC and, and all well, of it's, that. It's not just screens, too. I mean, it's they cost so much money to make those movies. They're, they're sucking up all of the resources that could be used to make several other smaller movies. Yeah, and um, Scorsese made the point that if you're brought up on that, right. that's what you want. Right. But if you're offered something, he was raised in an era uh, where he he studied foreign film, uh, taught foreign film, all of right. these things. Yeah. They were a part of his life and a part of his maturation pro, pro, uh, process. And when he was growing up as a not healthy kid, all he had was movies. Right. And so to be denied that wide variety of artistry out there, not just artistry, the pulp stuff, you know, the film noirs of the 40s and 50s were not any great works of art considered that at the time. They were sure. pulpy and kind of trashy and seductive in ways, and now they are classic, beautiful examples of cinema. So mm -hmm. to have a variety of cinema is, is important, and what those giant theme park attraction movies are doing is killing off the opportunities for other subgenres or genres to, to have a life of their own. Do you think, though, that maybe there's some old man shouts at sky elements to this? I mean, like, could 20, 30, 40 years from now people look back on these Marvel movies and say they are great pieces of oh, work? Oh, I'm sure there are people who will say that, you know? Um, it, I think Joker is really a good movie. Well, that was what I was going to ask. Is, yeah. is that's, that's an example, I think, of a, a movie that takes the material and does something really interesting and different with it. Yeah, and and but that was almost the norm in the 70s. Right. That's an exceptional... It's an exceptional movie. It's a, an exceptional comic book movie, too, because it's not all about the whiz-bang. It's not right. all about the assault to the senses. You know, right now, films are sensory rather than storytelling. It also cost about a quarter of what these other movies cost. Right, <laughs> and it's a huge success. I think huge that's going to have a big impact on what gets made. Well, we might have needed to go through... 10 years of vanilla so that we could get something chocolate. Yeah. You know? And there's, like Scorsese said in his articles, there's great artistry and artistic people at work on these movies. Right. They are not aiming for an art house crowd, but people who make art house movies aren't aiming at an art house crowd either, unless you're talking about the lighthouse or something. Right. But, right. but there should be movies for everybody, but it's, if you are only fed one kind of food, you don't know about the plates from countries around the world, right, you know, right, from right. different experiences, film experiences. And so it does tend to to lessen the variety that's available to us and, and the realization of, of what's out there. 
Well, let's let's tie it in before we wrap. Let's tie it into horror. Okay. Uh, and and let's let's bring that kind of debate. Uh, the, we had we had MJU one thirty eight asks. Uh, would you rather see a horror movie franchise rebooted or continued <laughs> as a sequel? Um, and and I think this kind of we've talked a lot about how horror franchises. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. It's almost the same argument in a way when they're they're taking up the resources that could go to other original material. What what are your what's your thoughts on? Well, it? if there were a choice between those two, is there a none of the above? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I don't care if I ever see a sequel again. I don't right. care if I see a franchise, you know, uh either of those choices is unexciting to me. Right. What I am most excited about is somebody who who comes up with a vision that I'm not familiar with or takes a story that takes me by surprise and gives me twists and turns and shows characters I find fascinating. And, you know, if if there is a sequel that is validated by its story rather than its financial pros, uh, prospects, then that's something. But for that choice... Uh, it'd have to be something specific because in general, my answer would just be, I just don't care. Well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's do something more positive to end note, with no, than no, that. Yeah. I love everything. So. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, joining us. And uh, you can always tweet us at Mick Garris PM. Uh, and you can uh, message us on Instagram at Mick Garris PM and uh, ask me anything. Thank you, Mick. Thank you, Joe. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would let the world know about it by reviewing and rating it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have comments or questions for our Ask Mick Anything shows, send them to producer Joe at Joe Russo Tweets or to at Mick Garris PM on Instagram or Twitter or the Postmortem with Mick Garris Facebook page. This is a brand new address, so don't forget it. That's at Mick Garris PM on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to see my vintage and recent video interviews, making of documentaries, and audiobooks of some of my short stories, go to my website, mickgarrisinterviews.com. Thanks for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every other Wednesday and subscribe on iTunes. Calling all coffee drinkers. If you've been trying to enhance your daily coffee routine, then Quest has got your back with their brand new iced coffees. Now available in two delightfully delicious flavors that'll be sure to add an extra pep in your step. Vanilla latte and mocha latte. Quest has been on a mission to help fuel you with protein-forward foods you'll love. Each bottle of Quest iced coffee is packed with 200 milligrams of caffeine, the same amount as two cups of regular coffee, plus 10 grams of protein per serving to help you supercharge your day. And did I mention that they only contain one gram of sugar? It might just be time to cheat on your iced coffee with iced coffee. Find Quest iced coffees on Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. That's Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition.